Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! I do have my my favorite my favorite artists um, that have influenced me, and I, I can mention different artists. But one of them that I love it's a, he's an anomaly. He's a he's a singer songwriter. His name is John Mark McMillan. If you ever get a chance, you can listen to him. But John Mark McMillan he wrote this worship song years ago, and it's called "Heart Won't Stop." And um, I love it because literally the listen to the lyrics. But in the verse it says, "There is not a man or beast." Nothing on the land or underneath. Oh, nothing that could ever come between the love that you have for me. I can lay my head in Sheol. I can make my bed at the bottom of the darkest deep. Oh, but there is not a place I could escape you. And then you get to the chorus, your heart won't stop coming after me. Your heart won't stop coming after me. And I love it because, you know, uh, the second verse is, there is not an angel of the stars there is not a devil in the dark oh nothing that could change the way you are the love you have for me and it literally goes back into the pre-chorus and into the chorus and every time the first time i heard this i instantly thought about um psalms 139 and uh, this was years ago this was before kellen was born before kellen was born when i heard the song i've always loved it but it's psalms 139 sorry verse one david talks about lord you know everything there is to know about me David writes, he says, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. I'll be honest, as much as I know about myself, I don't know everything about myself. As much as you may know yourself, as, as much, as, you know, all the experiences that you have or the things that I was saying something the other day, I was telling Kelsey about something, or I, I just randomly mentioned something. She's like, I've never heard you. What, what are you talking about? I said, uh, the beginning of she's like, you never told me that before. I said, really? We've been together all this time. I never told you that I experienced that before. She's like, no. I said, hmm. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. And she's like, how come you never told me that before? I said, well, I, I, it's not like I intentionally keep it from you. It's just, you know, being back home, drive down certain roads, pass by certain businesses or whatever, and a memory jots up. I'm like, hey, hey, Kels, did you know? Da, da, da. She's like, oh, my Lord. Like another one, you know. You know, as many, as many experiences you may have, you know, experienced in your life still, at the end of the day, you do not know everything about you. You don't know everything about you. You don't know what, what you are even capable of. You may have an understanding of, you know, well, I've, I've experienced this, so I know I can handle this, and that's great. But there's so much more that you're capable of. Amen? Amen. Verse 2, you perceive, talking about, uh, talking about Papa, you perceive every moment of my heart and soul, and you understand my every thought before it even enters my mind. You know, like we, we did the series a while, like last year when we talked about when those thoughts come into your mind, that those unholy thoughts, those, you know, those ones that you got to swipe and you got to pull down, you got to take every, you know, every thought captive and pull down, pull down the right one. You have to, you know, what David is saying, before those thoughts, before even the, the evil ones come to your mind, God is seeing those. He is, is like the information highway. He can see the thoughts that are coming to you before, before they even, you know, make their way off the, off the interstate, onto the exit ramp, into the town of your mind. He understands it. He sees it. He understands it. And he understands why we grab a hold to those thoughts. 
a lot of times we're like, you know, if we have a crazy thought, oh, it's a crazy thought. And we don't want to say it out loud because we don't want people to judge us or we don't want people to throw it, throw it under the bus or, or use it against us. But literally it says that you understand my every thought. Verse 3 and 4, you are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You know, my pastor says, it, says that intimacy, the best way to think of intimacy is this, into me I see. Intimacy. Into me I see. That's what intimacy is. Intimacy is into you, what do you see? If we're following Jesus, when we look within ourselves, we should see Jesus. If we, if, we, if we have put our trust, if we put our hope in, in him, then when we look within ourselves, we should see Christ glorified. Amen? Amen? Why is that? Because in him we live. In him we were able to move. You're able to pick up a paper. You're able to pick up a dollar. You're able to pick up, you're able to open it. In him, you're able to open a car door. In him, you're able to open a jar of pickles, or you're able to ask your bubba to open up a jar of pickles. In him, you're able to breathe. I mean, he's the, he's the Ruach of God. The Holy Spirit is the Ruach of God. We can breathe. Amen. Like that song says, breathe. It's a miracle that we can breathe. First time I heard that, me is my testimony. I'm like, it is a miracle that I can breathe. As much, as much, Dre, you wasn't around for all that. Thankfully, you wasn't. But as, as much of the doctor visits and ER visits and surgeries, it is a miracle I can breathe. So whenever I hear that song, I'm like, it's a miracle we can breathe. But for all of us, it should be the same because last time I checked, you never had your had to tell your left lung or your right lung to take in the right type of oxygen. You didn't, you didn't have to do that. When you woke up this morning, you didn't have to, hey, hey, lungs, wake up. Come on. Come on, do what you're supposed to do. Heart, let's go, heart. You didn't have to do all that. He does that. He does that, amen. He does that. Why? Because in him we live, we move, we're, we have our whole existence. Your whole existence is in him. Amen. Your whole existence. And guess what? Your existence doesn't start on your born day. Your existence starts way uh, before the foundations of the earth, according to what the Bible says. Amen? Amen. The verse says, you read my heart like an open book. You read my heart like an open book. I think that's the next one. Yeah, it is. You read my heart like an open book and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey begins. <clears throat> Verse five. It says that you've gone into my future to prepare the way. I like this. We're going to camp out here for a minute. You've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. Somebody say the harm of my past. So I like this because uh, verse 5, literally, you've gone into my future, prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. I heard one worship leader say it this way, God will never waste your pain if you give it to him. God will never waste your pain if you give it to him. Doesn't mean that he's up there, you know, like, oh, come on, let's, you know, let's, let you know, trying to prick you and poke you and prod you. No, no, no. But he, the Bible says that he works everything out for our good. Amen. Yes. amen. Everything out for our good. The best way to think about it this way is, you know, if you ever you ever had a, uh, I remember there was a, a night where, um, you know, we yeah, just really didn't want to go out to eat, you know, trying to save money. But at the same time, also didn't know what, you know, like, man, I don't, you know, this restaurant's closed, this restaurant's closed. I don't want to do fast food, you know. You know, we know, you ever notice nobody chooses McDonald's because it's gourmet cooking, you know. We're not like, oh, man. That, that, that Big Mac, man, it is just, 
is top of the line. No, most of the time we choose McDonald's when it's like, bro, I don't want to spend no more than $20. Like, well, you don't spend, oh, let's go to Mickey D's. All right, let's go to Mickey D's. They, what you got on the dollar menu? You know, like, you know, it was one of those nights where, but even, the, even then, didn't want to, all these, so it's like, okay, let's look and see what we got. Let's look and see what we got. Look in the freezer. Just pull everything out of the freezer. Pull everything out of the fridge. We're going we're gonna to make a hodgepodge. I remember the first time Kelsey introduced me to that method uh, when we was living in Cleveland. And, you know, just didn't want to go out, didn't want to spend money. I'm like, what are we going to eat? Just pull everything out of the freezer. We're going to see what we got. Everything, even, even if it's something that we bought before but didn't like it still, we're going to see if, we, if it's something we can use for the good of our nourishment. And that's what God does with your experiences. He takes, uh, he takes all these experiences, everything that you experience, okay, what out of this can I nourish them? Can I, can, I, can I use to provide for them? Can I use to feed them? Can I use to pour into them? Can I use to set them up for success? Amen? Amen. He takes all of your experiences. So like I said, God will never waste your pain if you give it to him. Verse 5 says, God, God in kindness follows behind us to spare us from the harm of our past. I like that. That's very deep. He follows behind you to spare you from the harm of your past. So in this, in, uh, think of it this way. Yahweh is healing you of your emotional and psychological triggers. You know, you know, you know, you get around certain people or, 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 you know, you can hear a song or you can see a color or a smell and remind you of a past experience. That, you know, we talked about it last year, but that is a trigger. That's what a trigger is, something that triggers a memory of you. And a lot of times, for most part, a lot of times, you know, it's negative. You know, we can uh, get around somebody or we can see their face. And instantly, you know, we're instantly we think of, you know, uh, the last time we encountered them and it may not have been pleasant. But the Bible says that God is following behind you, following behind you to prevent you from the harm of your past. He didn't say that he's going to he's going to completely wipe that memory out of you toward that. When you see that person, you have amnesia and you don't remember. Oh, I don't know. Be honest, we're human. It's hard to forget. But with him following you and preventing the harm of your past, guess what? When you're tr- when that uh, when that memory is triggered, when that encounter is triggered, when that emotion is triggered, to the point that when you see that person, if God's following behind you, when you see that person, instantly when that memory tries to come up and the and the and the the hurt, the pain, the 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 despair, the guilt, all that tries to come, it's got to go. It's got to filter itself through Jesus. Why? Because hey, hey, I'm I'm in the business of preventing harm towards you. I'm in the business of healing you. I'm in the business of loving you. I love this. And God's kindness follows behind us to spare us from the harm of our past. Because it's easy to find ourselves in a whirlwind where we're thinking about our past. Amen. Amen. It's easy. I, I know when I'm working my routes, I'll, I'm, all I'm doing is driving. You know, y'all have been there whenever you travel on the road, you got to stay focused. You're driving. So what you do, you think. <laughs> You think and you think and you think and you think some more. And when you thought you've thought enough, guess what? You think some more. You think some more. And my problem is I don't have cell phone centers on my main route. So therefore, I, it's just me and my thoughts. I can't have a thought and have an idea. And then as I'm driving, oh, let me Google this. Or, oh, let me call. Or da-da-da. It's just, oh, it's got to sit there. It's got to sit there and sit there and sit there. And there's nothing wrong with the thoughts sitting there, but the problem is a lot of times the enemy will use those thoughts that build up and build up and build up, try to get reactions that are unhealthy, try to get us to react in a way that is the opposite of Christ. Amen. And Jesus says, or the Bible, David says that um, God in his kindness follows behind us to spare us from the harm of our past. Watch this verse 6. 
<clears throat> you have laid your hand on me. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? Can I go back to verse five for a minute? Sorry. You've gone into my future, prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past with your hand of love. There we go. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. One, one translation says, you have laid your hand upon me. Amen. Amen. When life tries to handle you, remind your insecurities, remind your anxiety, remind the enemy that there's always another hand on you. Amen. There's always another hand on you. Amen. Oh, my favorite lines in the song says, when he comes to handle me, there's another hand on me. Like, I, I, I love it so I can't sing the rest of the song because it goes so fast. I listened enough uh, to it with the boys that whenever we listen to that song now, they'll be waiting and they'll sing the chorus, the, the verse is going. And then when we get to that line, I, I looked in the rearview mirror one time and Kellen and Keenan both, hands up, there's another hand on me. And I'll say, Yes. Prophesy, babies, there is the handle. And, I, of course, I couldn't just let it sit. I paused. I said, you know what that's, you know what that's talking about? And Kellen's like, yeah, God. I said, that's right. God's hand is on you. Do you understand that? They're like, yeah. And, and Kenan said, Kenan, what, what does that mean? God's hand on me. He's protecting us. I said, that's right. He's protecting us. Wow. You know, here we are just shouting as we're going down the road. But I want them to understand that. But we should have that same understanding as Christians as well, knowing that, you know what, there, there's another hand on me. Amen. Not just any hand, not the hand of big brother, not the hand of the government, but the hand of the almighty. And guess what? His, his hands, his wingspan, it's, it's not like, the, it's not like the, the tallest NBA player you've ever seen. His wingspan stretches as far as the east is to the west. It's, it's immeasurable. And if the wingspan is immeasurable, his hand, oh my God, his hand was enough for a nail to be driven in it and blood to be poured out and that blood to wash every sin that you've committed past, present, and future. There is another hand on you, amen? Woo. So, so guess what? When the enemy comes in like a flood, when the enemy tries to handle you, remind yourself there is another hand on you, amen? Amen? Verse 6, this is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. I agree. All the love of God, the, con the goodness of God. That's why, that's why I had Dre sing this. It's, it's too incomprehensible. It's too deep. It's too wide. But guess what? I won't stop singing it. I won't stop embracing it. The goodness of God, we, you know, it's, it's, you know, to sing that line is great. But if we really broke it down, it's, you know, all my life you have been faithful. All my, really, Lord, all my life? Yes, all my life. Because in, in verse, you know, you don't have to go back there, Dre, but we read earlier in verse 1, 2, and 3, and 4 that you know everything there is to know about me, every movement of my heart and my soul. You understand every thought that enters my mind. All my life you have been faithful. Yeah. All my life you have been so, so good. I remember when that song came out, we was down in Florida. And uh, um, I, I actually, I think we was, we was still in Bristol. And uh, we was moving to Florida. And I was talking to uh, this one worship leader, and she's like, every time we do that song, the church just goes crazy. I don't understand why. I said, what do you mean you don't understand why? She said, well, it, it doesn't have a whole lot, you know, instruments going with it. It's just, you know, da, da, da. I said, you're missing the message. Amen. I'm like, 
You know, I said, it's the perfect set. I, I told her, I said, have you ever watched sports before? And she said, well, yeah. I said, you ever watched a good basketball game? And listen, in, in Lindsay's world, you know, in Lindsay's world up here, basketball is king. All other sports, they, they come nets. But bas- that's, that's my jam. I said, but have you ever watched a good basketball game where I said, take Penny and Shaq? And I said, when I was a kid, I would watch, I would watch Penny and Shaq, and I would watch Penny. He'd go down the floor, he'd draw the double team, and all of a sudden, he'd lob it up. And you thought he's just throwing at the space. Like, where's, where's he throwing? And Shaq would come out of nowhere and whoo, he's slamming. The crowd go wild. We all go wild. I said, my cousins, they'd be like, yeah, here I am. Yeah, you know, trying to get with them. I said, that song, it's like that. I said, because the verse, it talks about, all my, uh, I love you, Lord. Your mercies have never failed me. Yeah, that's right. As you're singing that, you're like, yeah, Lord, you, you've been so good. Yeah, your mercy never failed me. You know, and you're singing all these words, and as you get to the chorus, and all my life you have been faithful. And, and you have that epiphany of, you know what, Lord, you have been faithful. Even in the, in the bad times, when the, the moments that nobody else knows about, those secret times, those times where I didn't think I was going to get out of it, you were there. I said that song, it's the perfect setup to remind every believer that he is good, he is faithful, he will never leave us or forsake us. He is with us. He is the lion that walks in front of us, behind us, and on both sides of us. He, it's the song that reminds us that there is another hand on us. And David said that, you know, uh, you search my heart, you know every moment. He said in verse 6, this is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. You ever felt weak? David said that if you're feeling weak, think about how the Lord knows you. David said that this is just too wonderful, deep, and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. That's why we said last week we have to take time to gaze at Jesus. We have to take time to gaze at Jesus. Keenan said something last night. Most of it's always been killing when we do the goodnight blessing. But when we did it last night with Keenan, finally it clicked with him. It clicked with him. I said, this is perfect timing. But as we're doing the, I said, I said, Keenan, you see my eyes? Yeah, I see your eyes. I said, you see my eyes? Look at them. Look at these brown eyes, Keenan. And he said, hey, your brown eyes are like my brown eyes. I said, that's right. I said, what else? I said, look real close. I said, what else do you see in these brown eyes? He said, oh. I see a little bit of me. I said, <laughs> I hugged them real tight and cried and kissed them. I said, you, I said, you darn tootin' you do. <laughs> but as he said that, the Holy Spirit said, that's what you're supposed to see when you look at Jesus. We're supposed to be able to gaze at him and say, that I, I see a little bit of me. I see myself healed. I see myself redeemed. I see myself freed. I see myself not being bound by the insecurities of my past. I see see the lion that's in front of me. I see the lion that's behind me. I see the lion that's on both sides. I see the Holy Spirit leading me and guiding me how to take steps. I see the Holy Spirit giving me wisdom on how to fix a car, how to change a tire, how to fix a pipe, how to fix things at work, how to have conversation. I see me when I look at you, Jesus. That's why we said gaze at him. David said that when we gaze at him, we will we'll receive wonder and we will receive strength. Jesus. Why? Because when we gaze at him, we'll see, you've known me all my life. <laughs> all my life you have been faithful. Yes. All my life you've been faithful. Amen? Amen. Ah, and we still got more to go. Verse 7, where could I go from your spirit? Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? 
Listen, if, if anybody wanted to hide, it was David. Amen? Amen. If anybody wanted to hide, it was David. You know, David literally David had any David, David had all reasons to hide. You know, I don't I don't care what you've done in this room. Literally, David had all reasons to hide, especially after murdering Bathsheba's husband, so they could be together. This is, you know, so so for him to write this saying, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I hide? This is personal for him. That's right. I mean, I'm pretty sure after that moment, after him coming to his senses and realizing what he's done, I'm pretty sure he wanted to hide. I'm pretty sure he wanted to run and hide from, and, and as he's pursuing that, you, you can't talk about something if you've never done it, amen? So for him to say, where can I go? Where can I hide from you? David, have you tried to hide from God? But not only has David tried to hide from God, a lot of times we try hiding from God. Adam and Eve tried hiding from God from, you know, God, hey, guys, where are you? Why did he have to say, where are you? Why? Because they were, they were in their own strength trying to cover their own mistakes. And David realized that, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I hide from your presence? It's personal for him when he says that. You know, I wrote this down that, you know, you got to understand, David probably was like, I've tried running from your presence and I couldn't run away from you because in every direction of my life, there you are too. There's no angle. There's no degree that that is without his presence. Verse eight. David says, if I go up to heaven, you're there, obviously. Watch this. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly with wings into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Somebody say waiting. waiting. Verse 10, wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. That sounds personal for him to say that. And it should resonate with us, amen? Amen. For your presence, watch this, for your presence is everywhere bringing light into my night. Oh, as a bar. I like that. I'm going to say it one more time. If it's, It's impossible to disappear from you or to ask the darkness to hide me. For your presence is everywhere. And what's his presence doing? Bringing light into my night bringing light into my darkness. See, this, this darkness that David talks about, he's not talking about all oh, the lights off. You know, we've talked about it before, but the, the Hebrew word for darkness in this context and even in the book of Genesis chapter 1, the Hebrew context for that darkness is obscurity, anxiety, insecurity, pain, cruelty, pride, anger. I mean, all those, all those fruits of that type of, of, that type of tree. So when he says you bring light to, you're bringing light to my insecurities. You're 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 empower, You're giving me the things that empower me over my insecurities. You're giving the thing that's empower me over my anxiety, empower me over my guilt and shame. You're bringing light to my night. Amen. Amen. One of the coolest things as a kid, I loved it because uh, when we lived down by Big Mamas, I loved it when we come home for, or when we but we leave here Wednesday night service. Um, being KJ, we would cry. We would cry because we couldn't go home together, even though we were driving the same direction. <laughs> you know, we lived three three houses from each other. But as a kid, you don't you don't think about that. You just just you know. But we leave and we you know come down this way, and then we go out that way. And if you've ever you know, for most part, if you've ever driven out there at night on a full moon, it's very pretty. It's very pretty. Why? Because it's just open field, 
open field upon open field upon open field. And then you have the, 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 I call it the little mini forest of trees as you go down the hill and then come up to the stop sign right before you turn on 200. And as a kid, I would love, I would love that because it looked like something out of a magazine or something out of a book or something on TV. You have, you can see the moon and then it, you know, then it's kind of filtered and fractured and hidden. And then as soon as you come right back on 200, it's all open fields and boom. There it is, this big full moon lighting the sky, lighting the way to see the road. I mean, it would be so clear and it'd be so bright that you can see, you can see the animal, you can see the nighttime animals. You can see the lines on the road. You can see the stars. And I would just, I would be, I would be amazed at this. And David says that this is what Jesus does. He brings light to our to our night to to the sea to the nighttime seasons of our life when it feels like everything is just dark and dim or it feels like everything is the same as the day before it feels like nobody is understanding us it feels like nobody sees the strides that we're making it feels like nobody sees the details nobody's paying attention to our details david is saying no there is someone that's paying attention to your details not only is he paying attention to your details he is illuminating your life Amen. he is illuminating your life Verse 12, there is no such thing as darkness with you. There is no such thing. Can, I, I, I know I said verse 12, but I want to go back up to, what is it, verse 7. Just real quickly, where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run and hide from your face? Remember, we said God is a pursuer, and that's what we're talking about this morning. He is not just a pursuer. He is the pursuer. Somebody say the pursuer. The pursuer. When, I was, when I was thinking last night, like, Lord, I I don't know how to title this, da da da, and I, you know, I'm, and I read the verses of verse seven through nine. You know, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I run and hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there. If I fly into the shining dawn, you're there. If I fly to the radiant sun, you're waiting. Wherever I go, you're there. And as a kid, when we read this in the King James, it said, if I go up to the highest mountains, you're there. If I, if, I, if I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I go to the, to the farthest east, you're there. If I go to the farthest west, you're there. And I'm thinking about this. I'm like, God, you're a pursuer. You know, in my imagination, the Lindsay Melton, the, the, the right side of my brain clicked in, and I thought about one of my favorite movies. Anytime I say pursuit, you know, we, said, we, we talked about triggers earlier. The moment I said pursuit, it triggered a memory for me. And one of my favorite movies, you know, uses this word all the time is Smokey and the Bandit. I love it because the sheriff, you know, whenever he sees the bandit and the bandit escapes, he grabs that CB. He's like, there's Sheriff Bueller T. I'm not going to do my impersonation of him. But he says, this is Sheriff Bueller T. Justice. I'm in hot pursuit of the bandit. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and every, and, you know, but it's crazy because he remains in hot pursuit the whole movie. You know, hot pursuit, and, and I love it because when I was thinking about this, I'm like, this, this it, it correlates with God and us. But you know, the sheriff he stays in hot pursuit. You know, through every every town that he's in, he's in hot pursuit. Whether and there's times where it's raining and he's in hot pursuit. There's times when it's sunny and hot pursuit. He goes from state to state to state to state, all these different states, and he's still in hot pursuit. I'm like, man, how you know this hot pursuit thing's got to have an expiration date, don't it? And then, you know, according to the sheriff, it, it expires once he has him and he's captured him. But with God, the pursuit, him pursuing you, it doesn't end. Even though we are in him and he's in us, still he is constantly pursuing us, constantly searching and seeking after. Constantly, because we, we read it earlier that he's following, he's following behind you to make sure that the, 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 the memories of your past don't harm you. 
don't freeze you up. Amen. He's constantly pursuing you to the point that he's investigating your future. He's investigating every moment, every experience that you've already experienced and figuring out a way that it could it can be a catalyst to send you into a successful season or a successful state of mind or a successful parenting, successful running a business, successful starting a business, successful being an employee, successful being the right type of spouse. He, he, he's fully pursuing you and it does not end. Amen. Amen. Let's skip down to verse 12. There is no such thing as darkness with you. The night, Tom David says this, there is no such thing as darkness with you talking about God. The night to you is as bright as the day. There's no difference between the two. You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside, and wove them all together in my mother's womb. You know, growing up, the translation we always read is said that you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Verse 14, I thank God, <clears throat> I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelous, breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thorough, thoroughly you know me, Lord. How thoroughly you know me. If somebody complains about, oh, man, man, you're just difficult. You tell them, I'm not difficult. I'm just complex. I'm complex. I'm thorough. I've been thoroughly made. David said that everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. Verse 15, you even formed, watch this, you even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place, carefully, skillfully, you shaped me from nothing to something. See, the devil loves to make it seem like you're just put together. You're just hanging on by a thread. The opposite is true. You, you, you know, you're not just, you know, what God made you. He didn't, you know, you're not just, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the B, the B player or the C player or the, you know, the D you're not the, you're not the, you're not the bench version of yourself. You're not the, you're not the second string version of yourself. You are the, the, what is it? The A plus the top of the line, top of the shelf, the highest, uh, the highest grade of steak on the shelf. That's you. That's you. That you, it literally says, verse 15, you have, you've even formed every bone in my body when you created me in a secret place. Watch this carefully, skillfully, carefully and skillfully, he created you. Amen. Your personality, carefully and skillfully created. The way you think, you know, a lot of times we, uh, people, either people make us or culture makes us or even our own past mistakes make us feel like, okay, well, you know, we'll even throw this disclaimer out. Well, hey, just excuse me. I, you know, I'm a little different. I, I think this way, but don't, don't judge me. No, no, no. You don't need to give a disclaimer. You don't need to throw yourself under the bus anymore. You've been carefully and skillfully made. And last time I checked, people, you know, you know we, we pay top dollar for the, for the items that have been carefully and skillfully made. You go to an antique show. You ever been to an antique show? I have not, and I pray I never have to go to one. Just on TV, they look boring. I, I don't want to go. I remember as a kid one time, <laughs> well, you know, we would always go to Gatlinburg every year for camp meeting. I don't know. I, don't, I do know why. But mom's like, you know, we're going to do something different. This year, we're, you know, we're going to go to K-Me, but then we're, gonna, we're just going to go out on the land. And I'm like, oh, we're going to go ride go-karts? No, no, we're going to go out on the land. I'm like, well, if we're not riding go-karts or playing golf, what else is there to do? But she's like, baby, we're going to go out on the land. Drea, we went out on the land. We went out on the land to this little antique shop out in the mountains. Oh, and they, my, she loved it. She loved it. Dad, dad kept a good face. 
Me, not so much. Here I am, oh, looking like all three of my kids. Just, oh, I'm so bored. Oh, oh, you know, I would even stand outside and try to listen to see if I could hear the go-karts, you know, you know, miles away, you know. And I'm just like, ah. But in that antique store, I remember that there was a lot of handcrafted things. And those handcrafted things weren't, weren't cheap because I remember when we go in there, mom and dad both keep your hands in your pocket. <laughs> if you see it, you, you ask me before you pick it up. You know, why? Because these things were handcrafted. They were, they were skillfully made. And they, because they were skillfully made, they had a price that was valued more than the average price. Amen. You're above average. I'm not, it doesn't matter what you've been through. doesn't matter how many mistakes you made. You are more than above average. Amen? You are more than above average. Verse 16, you saw who created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the numbers of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Already recorded in your book. <clears throat> this Thanksgiving, I want you to, I want, I want us to be reminded that God is a pursuer. Amen? Amen. You know, when you watch movies, the you know, the you know, it's not a whole lot of Thanksgiving movies out there. There's full Christmas movies. There's not a whole lot of Thanksgiving songs out there. Not a whole lot of Thanksgiving decorations. There's Christmas decorations. There's Christmas songs, but you know, there's one Thanksgiving song. We won't sing it this morning. But uh, uh you can ask me after service if if you need it, I'll send you a link. <laughs> But there is one Thanksgiving song. But, you know, if you've ever seen the movies, uh, the Christmas movies, when they celebrate Thanksgiving before Christmas, you know, everybody sits around the table. And, you know, you got the one relative that says, we need to go around and say what we're thankful for. I remember as a kid, we did that once or twice. It never really panned out. Um, I, don't, I don't know what happened. I'm not complaining. I'm, I'm, you know, I was just, hey. But, you know, I remember, you know, you know uh, when we have certain relatives over, they'd be like, uh, and, you know, the older relative would be like, say, da, 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 and the kid will copy it. And, you know, so I think about that, you know, when it comes to Thanksgiving dinner, I'm like, Lord, what am I thankful for? What are we thankful for? And I'm like, Lord, there's so much to be thankful for. But this year, I've never thought about it this way, but this year, I'm like, Lord, I want to celebrate that you are a pursuer. You are the one that pursues me. Your spirit seats me out. You pursue me. I encourage you, especially this Thursday, when you take time to reflect on how good God is, reflect the fact, not the fact that he's just good, but reflect on the fact that he is pursuing you, even in that very moment. He's pursuing you, and that's why you're thinking about him. Why? Because he's, he's, he's investigating every moment, every detail, every thought, not so he can judge, not so he can, not so he can throw guilt and shame and make you feel bad, because he doesn't do that. He's not a guiltful or a shameful God. He is the father that we see in Luke chapter 15 that embraces you, wraps his arms around you, and puts on his garments and celebrates you. Amen? Amen. But I encourage you to reflect this Thursday. Reflect that he is the pursuer. He, God is pursuing me. God is pursuing me to the point that, uh, that there's nowhere I can go. I can, I can climb to the highest mountain and his presence is still there. I, I can have a bad day at work and his presence is still there. People can cuss you out and his presence is still with you. People can cut you off on the interstate, his presence is still with you. The bill collector could call, spam collector can call. Uh, you can get all types of phone calls and still it will not drive away his presence. It will not drive away his love, amen? Paul, Paul said that there's no, there's, there's no distance, there's no height, there's no angels, there's, there's, no, the, there's nothing above, there's nothing below that can separate you. Somebody say me. me. 
from the love of God. Nothing can separate that. That's a heavy clause. In order for him to say nothing can separate that, that must mean that he had to experience in his life realizing that, you know what? And I'm pretty sure if anybody, Paul was like, you know what? I, I can attest that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Because we see in Paul's previous life, he was murdering Christians. Murdering. I didn't say cussing folks out. I didn't say, you know, I didn't say, you know, being petty spaghetti. I, I, I didn't say, you know, cutting people off on the traffic or, you know, I didn't say having bad thoughts about people. I didn't say little trivial stuff. He was murdering jokes. Murdering. Try out. He was killing folks. And still redeemed by the Lord. He's able to say, hey, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. How do I know? Because look at my life. And, I've, and he said, I'm, I, God has searched me. He's searched every moment. And he's used every moment to be a catalyst to bring me to where I am now. So when Paul says nothing can separate me from the love of God, he knows. This Thursday, have, have a testimony to where you can say, nothing can separate me from the love of God. And if somebody's like, well, how do you know? Let me tell you how I know. Let me, let me tell you some, and, and you, you, you know, choose, use wisdom. But let me tell you about some moments. I, if I was God, I would not have had anything to do with me. But still, because of his loving kindness, he did not leave me on my own. In fact, he got me out. He delivered me out of it. Yeah. Amen? Amen. He delivered me out. He protected me. He protected me. Listen, I, I'm, I'm going to tell this story, and I'll close with it. I don't ever like to, I don't ever like, I used to tell it everywhere we go, and then when we moved back, I never told it because it's a personal story. It includes mom and dad so and granny. But I remember when I was in college, Dre, I'll, 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 I'll pretend like I'm having a conversation with you, but I remember I was in Bible college, and uh, something happened to where I got, like, a weekend off work. And I, I, had this, I had this former friend that lived in Murfreesboro, and um, – and uh, uh, I knew that I didn't need to go see her. But I'm like, you know, we was friend zoning, and, you know, for the season saints, friend zone just means that you want to, you want to go further than a friend, but the, the, the recipient don't want you more than a friend. But you hoping one day, you praying and hoping and casting your pennies that you move out of friend zone. But I remember we was just friends, but, I, you know, I figured if I show up enough that eventually she'd be like, man, he's so consistent. He's so good. I, I just want to be with him. I was hoping that, but it, it didn't, and thank God it didn't. But I remember I had this I had this weekend off at work, <clears throat> and she lived in Murfreesboro. Murfreesboro was like an hour, eighteen minutes from Cleveland or something like that. It wasn't too far, and uh, but something told me not to go, and I knew I didn't need to go. You know how I knew I didn't need to go? I didn't even call and tell mom I was leaving. I was like, I ain't about to call mom because mom would be like, Where are you going? I don't. The Lord told me you don't need to go there. I didn't need to hear that. Okay, <laughs> I didn't want to hear that. I needed to hear that. I didn't want to hear that. <clears throat> Load up the Camry, fill it up with gas, you know, driving down there just, doo, 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 you know. I'm, I'm listening to Christian music. I'm bumping Fred Hammond and Canton Jones. So, I mean, I'm in the spirit. And it's raining, but I'm, you know, just, you know, just, and come on the top of the hill, Mount Eagle. Come on the mountain, top of the hill, Mount Eagle. And whew, that's when it happened. The bat tires, uh, the hydroplane. And not thinking, I, I hit the brakes, wheels locked up, 18-wheeler uh, right here on, the, uh, on, the, on my right side, the center wall right here on the left side. The car slams into the center wall. And literally, we're turned like this, we're turned like a C, doing a C. And all I can see is, the, <clears throat> all I can see is underneath the tractor trailer. 
I can see underneath it. And I thought for sure, this is it. And the best way I could describe it is, is if you were to take something and put it on a table and literally just do this, move it out of the way. Literally, I, I, as I'm seeing this tractor trailer, it literally felt like something just pushed the Camry out of the way into the grass and into the gravel. I'm like, God, God, even in, even in your darkest moment, even in your moments of making the wrong decisions, he didn't say, hey, this is a wrong decision. I'm going to let you play this out and I'm going to let you learn a lesson. No, even in the midst of wrong decisions, he's still like, hey, let me save you. Let me protect you. Not because he's like, I'm going to make you pay for this. I'm going to show you how wrong you are. No, let me save you. Why? Because I love you so much that even in your wrong decisions, I'm willing to stand right there and protect you. Even, in, even like David said, and David had every reason to, he made many bad decisions after bad decision after bad decision. And still he's able to say, I've tried to hide from God and I can't. His presence keeps following me. It keeps finding me. I could go to the highest mountain. It's there. I could go to the darkest place on the corner. It's there. Why? Not because he's wanting to teach you a lesson, but because he loves you so much that he doesn't want to be without you and he doesn't want you to be without him. That's the kind of God we serve to the point that he's like, I love you. When I say I love you, I mean it to the point that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never let you be alone. When people leave you, when people come, when people are born or when people die, I will still be there. My presence will still be there. If it's a great day at work, my presence will accompany you. If it's a bad day at work, my presence will accompany you. If people are cussing you out, if people are starting rumors, guess what? My presence is not affected about what they say. No matter what people said about you in high school, my presence is still with you. No matter what people are saying about you now, I'm still the lion that's in front of you, the line that's behind you, the lines on both sides of you, protecting you every degree, every angle, every, there's no distance between me and you. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. And this Thursday, reflect on that. Reflect on that. Reflect on that. Reflect on that. As you eat whatever you're going to eat, as you hang out with family and friends, think about, you know what? I'm here because God has been pursuing me. I'm alive today because God has been pursuing. I'm pretty sure we all can tell stories after stories of how we should not be here. But God. But God the pursuer. But God the pursuer. And I can tell other stories, but that's one of the, the, the number ones that I think about how, ah, that was a bad choice. And still God being the great God that he is. Being the great God that he is. Watch this verse 17 and verse 18. Every single, every single moment you were thinking of me. David said, every single moment you were thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. Oh God, your desires toward me are more than the grains of sand on every shore. That's a lot of desires. That's a lot of desires. Do you see why the enemy wants to trick you into believing that you are undesirable? Because the opposite is true. Oh, you're more than desirable. How desirable am I, Lindsay? You're more, you're so desirable, more than the grains of sand on a beach, on every beach on the earth, known and unknown. Every moment, every moment of every, every thought that consumes God, you know, you know what consumes his thoughts? You, 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 you. Well, Lindsay, there's some times where I don't, I don't feel like acting safe. 
I don't feel like acting holy. There's sometimes when people make me mad, I just, ah. That doesn't stop him. Not saying that we should, not saying that we should embrace those moments. What I'm saying is the things that you would think that would keep God from interacting in your life or, or, or jumping into your life or, or, or interceding in your life or loving you or showing up. Let's, let's say that the things that you would think that would keep God from showing up time and time and time again. Guess what? They're false. Because guess what? He, he never punched out the clock. He never punched out the clock. He never stopped loving. He's never stopped showing up. He will continue to show up. He will continue to show up and show up and show up and show up and show up. As much as you, as much as you want him to. I take that back, not as much as you want to, because you may be in a moment or a season where you're like, God, I don't want, I don't want this. But his presence is still there. His presence is still there, waiting just for I'm, I'm just gonna wait here. Well, God, I'm gonna I'm I'm do what I want. Okay, you do what you want. I'm still, I'm gonna wait here. I'm gonna protect. I'm gonna love. I'm gonna heal. In that moment, I, I, in that moment, Lindsay thought he knew what was best. I'm like, all right. And God's still like, I know, I see you doing what you want to do, but you know what? I'm still gonna protect you. Let me, let me just move your car off the road. Let me just move your car off the road. I remember the cop looking and saying, how did you get your car off? I'm like, God, it had to have been God. It had to have been God. God. God is the pursuer, and he pursues the one that you see in the mirror. Amen? Amen. But he compels us to pursue others. That way we can introduce others to the great pursuer. So this Thanksgiving, don't just reflect on him being a pursuer, but also use the opportunity. We have the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation, literally, let me just sum it up. You have been reconciled to God. You have been brought back to God. Now go bring somebody else back to God. So this, so this Thursday, when you're around friends and family, just, I mean, you ain't got to preach a five-point sermon. You ain't got to get your Bible out and say, okay, everybody, it's Bible study time. But find ways to insert hope. Find ways to insert faith. Find ways to point things back to Jesus. And if people have further questions, say, well, I'm so glad you asked. Let's, let's sit down and let me, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about how he pursues me, how he pursues you. Let me tell you about all my life you have been faithful. And, and set it up. If, if it's being over your house or if it's being here at the church, set, set it up. Set, set it up. Have, have, some, have some Christian music playing underneath. Just low. It ain't, I mean, it ain't got to be how great thou art. Don't do that because then they'll know. Don't know what you're doing. All right, come on, disguise it a little bit. Have, you know, maybe some Kurt Franklin or I don't know, some Fred or, or something. Just, but set it up. Set, set the table up, amen? amen? God is a pursuer. He pursues us. And look, and look at our life because he's pursued us. Your life may not be where you want it to be, but guess what? It could be worse. You know what? I'm, I'm going to give this last example then I promise I'm done but one of the things I do in my mail car when uh, the time changed what last weekend or the weekend before I didn't change the time of my car the reason I didn't change the time of my car it still shows that it's an hour ahead and the reason I didn't change it is because a lot uh, with my job you know we are we are 
you're very time oriented. You have you got to have this particular thing done by certain you know time. You only got certain minutes. In fact, you know if if we are still for three minutes, if our car is in a you know if it hasn't moved in three minutes, then we get a alert from Memphis. You get alert from Memphis, and then you know they give you all these different things, and there's paperwork you got to fill out. So like, I ain't got time to be did it unless you you know hit a break on your thing. But I, I, I keep my car an hour ahead because to remind myself that even no, no matter how stressed out my job is that day, it could be worse. When I look at my clock, I'm like, it's not that time. Okay, I'm good. I'm, I'm only on this part of my route. And it's, okay, no, I'm good. I'm still good. It could be, I could, I could be right here an hour later. I could be getting off an hour later. I could still be having to work an hour later. I could have to do this and that. Okay, it, oh, that's not reality. And, and when I look at it, it makes me have to take a breath. I'm like, okay, it's on. Okay, it's not three four six. It's only two four six. It's not. Two, okay, it's. It's a. It's a quick pause. It's a quick fizzle. I'm not saying you have to do that, but what I am suggesting, a challenge is, find ways to to trigger something to where you think about the goodness of God, and you think and you're reminded of. Okay, it's, 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 it could be worse. Things could be worse. My life could be worse, but it's not. Why? Because God has made a way for it to be so much better than what the enemy presents it. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for today. We love you. We honor you. We worship you.